Welcome to today's show. This is George of 305 Magazine. And today on 305 Radio, we have a different kind of guest. I think we should let him introduce himself. Sir, please introduce yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, boy. Hold on, hold on. We're in Miami. We're by the airport. We gotta wait. Fuck you, American Airlines. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your boy Sofla from La Hama TV, and I'm sorry for banging on the table. Man, I thought he was gonna do the Guillermo. Well, you wanted the the government name, right? Everybody loves that. That's uh, my government name is Guillermo Marcelino Luis Alfonso Rodriguez Hernandez Garcia the Third Jr. I have a two-page passport. Uh, You should see my birth certificate written on the back. I don't know what, what, why is it that, so so that's the joke, right? But my, my real name, for real, for real, is Guillermo Marcelino Luis Alfonso, right? Like, what's up? Why do, why do our Spanish parents like punish us? It's not punishment. It's uh, they might be playing a prank. It might be like the family prank. Be like, yo, tag him. Yeah, tag, tag him. <laughs> Ponle cuatro ese. And then mine is like, right, like Guillermo, Marcelino, Luis, and Alfonso. They're all first names. That's like if you were to name your kid like Robert, Bob, Steve, Jeremy. Like what? Those the? are other people. Those are the names of the doctors and the medical assistants yeah. that were there. I hope the I hope that one of those guys ain't my real father because that would really suck. Maybe that's why my mom all those names anyways oh from. no <laughs> this t- podcast took a bad turn i'm just playing my i love you anyway where are you from so i'm from i'm from miami born and raised i got the name Sofla because i lived all over south florida so i just came up with that so so flat thing and i noticed that after i came up with it, i realized like a lot of people were like that kind of name i had never heard so to you know me alex and frankie and the boys like came up with that. We had never heard that anywhere. Nobody really used it. Nobody used that word like that. And we thought, Cunha, so cool. Let's come up with this shit called So Fly Kings, the South Florida Kings. And the logic behind it was, let's drop these mixtapes. So we had three mixtapes. We had a red one, an orange one, and a yellow one. And uh, we were going to drop one in Broward, one in Palm Beach. Hold and, on, hold on, hold on. So do you rap? I used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started right in this neighborhood right here in Alapata, where we're at right you- now. You want to drop a quick verse? No, not at all. <laughs> I do not. Uh, no, maybe later. Let's see. Wine okay. and dine me a little bit first. All right, Let's I see what you. happens. I got you. We'll, take, we'll, you know? we'll get you feeling good. Thank you. I'm apologizing for, for beating on the table. I just get excited sometimes. <laughs> it's but right. but yeah, that, and that's how that's how we came up with the name Sofla. And, and that's where I'm from. I grew up right here in Alapata. Uh, you know, 04, 05, 06. Nobody was really rapping out of Miami. It was just pretty much, it was very select crews, you know, Pitbull, Ross was rapping. But other than that, there was maybe four or five other crews that were doing it. And that's really like where I started to like do my shit was in the music days right here in this neighborhood. Yeah, and I remember the mixtapes. Yeah. You were making moves. Yeah. The first one, like I said, we dropped three and it was one in each county. And the point, it worked actually because... If you were in Dade and you were like, oh, yeah, I got one of those Sofla King CDs, but yours was a different color. Yours had different songs on it. Yeah. So that it was wasn't our, the same one. It wasn't the <laughs> exactly. same one. That's so brilliant. we kind of made them like collectible a little bit. And now we only did that on the first one. And then after that, we realized, eso mucha complicación hacer it. I mean, yeah, but. Like the at, least, at McDonald's, yeah. when you be but let me, 
Yeah, but I mean, it's worth it because it makes it a collector's item. Yeah. But you would only know that in retrospect. Like, yes. look at look at the purple tape. Yeah. Most people don't even know the name of the purple tape. Yeah, it's They're just like, called the purple one. tape. Yo, the purple tape. No, yeah. man, Cuban links. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so, I mean, yeah. So it was really dope. I, I remember that he was doing that. I remember that you went solo after after a while, and then you were part of an independent label. I was. I remember seeing your face on on uh as as a rap on some yes. trucks or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. You had big ass locks. The fucking the tank. We used to call it the tank. We took a a suburban and we wrapped it like a tank with the fucking tank wheels, and then I dressed like a fucking general with my dreads. And the glasses, and I was all, yeah. I was a, I was a different person back then, you know. I, I, In retrospect, yeah, definitely. I was a different person back then, you know. I was, uh, I was making music, and I saw, and and that's what you had to do, right? You had to put yourself out there like that. So. And then what? What? When was the change from being a musician to getting into video? And well, you said you were doing vo- voiceovers earlier. Yeah, always. I, you know, I like to tell people that there's a lot of ways you can eat off of music. You know, there's a lot of different things that you could do. You don't always have to be an artist, like front and center. So I kind of learned back then I could do voiceovers. I learned that I could, I could do writing for people. I could do features. I could do remixes in in other places. To this day, I, I still get uh, royalty checks for like songs that I did 12, 13 years ago that were like remixes and not a lot of money either. Right. It's not like. Yeah, but it's todavía, right? And it just goes to show you, it like... It feels good to get that in your mailbox. How far, yeah, how far that goes, you know what I mean? Like, it's good it's to see that it still works. Yeah. You, you, put so, you made something grow, and it's still, it's still, it's still prospering a it's little bit. It's still there. And, and, you know, you start... Now I'm learning how to add more to it. So there's other things that I've been doing. I'm, I'm kind of back in music to a, for a certain extent. Uh, and and so now I got you know new things that are going in there and these things that I'm working on I think they're gonna do well. I think they're gonna do well. You, you want to divulge any information? I'm part of like classified. You know one thing that I miss. I'm not I'm not a hater of the new generation. Right? No. I'm not. I, I I tend to embrace it. I tend to at least give it a chance to see what it is. But like one thing that I do miss was I feel like in our days. We had to vet everybody more. Everybody got vetted more. You had to be certified, right? You, you, you couldn't really go up there and rap gangster shit if you weren't official in the streets, right? And it was cool. If you were going to rap gangster shit, that's cool. If you wanted to do reggaeton love shit, that's cool. You Don't wanted, be real about it. Right, but just be, it, the whole thing was to be real. And I feel like we've lost a, 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 a big sense of that nowadays. It's more about trends and not about realness anymore. I think that's, that's where the saturation comes in, right? And then you have all these people doing the same thing. And then at what point, no, it's hard for me to discern who's, when you, who's making art at this point. Because it goes back to what we were talking about with pressure a little while ago, right? Like, like if, if you're in the studio and you have all these people depending on you, like you said, how, unf- how pure is your art coming out if you have all that pressure on you? Right. right, a part of you has to be thinking about coño. I need this que se pegue because we yeah, we need so a hit record. Yeah. Is not fully just it's not fully it's not full expression. That and that was and that and that was something that bothered me. You know, I, I I had a manager at the time. I'm not even gonna say his name, but I had a manager at the time who um I had a manager at the time who just fucking drove me nuts, dog. You know, he always wanted me to look a certain way. He always wanted me to do certain things and 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 this was at the end i was already kind of like over the over the game you know and i kind of woke up one day thinking like that like 
like, can't be yourself. Huh? Well, I, like, I can't be myself, bro. Like, on, at the end of the day, I'm from Alapata. I want to slap a nigga, right? That's what I want to do, right? Yeah, I, it's funny, right? Right? I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to do fucking. I don't want to do perreo songs or I don't want to do love songs, right? Like, I don't fall in love. I'm banging mad bitches right now, right? Like, that's how I was living back then. So I don't want to fucking do Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but, but that's what I was doing, right? And I wanted to keep it real. My manager and the people around me and the labels, right? I had my own pressure, right? Like, I, when I would go to a, 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 a label like Sony and they'd hear my music, which back then was Spanglish Trap. Before Bad Bunny, before Anwar, before all these guys, the niggas doing the, the Spanglish gangster shit, the street shit was us. And they would tell me, no, you know, we're not, we're not ready for that. We need this, you know, this is, that'll never work. And, and it was just frustrating after a while. And you just kind of realize that, you know what? Fuck that pressure. And that's what happened. That's why I stopped making music. Because I said, at what point can I be me and be compensated properly for being myself? I just want to be me. And ultimately, I realized that it's not about, as a rapper, you want, you want to be famous. But I realized for me, I don't want to be famous. I just want to create. I'm happiest when I create. Why? Because when I was a kid, I used to draw. When I got into junior high school, I started doing graffiti. Remember that? Right? And I always did graffiti. And I always had my own little graffiti name. And I hung around with the other I wasn't like everybody else. So it was the same thing with music. And I realized, that, you know what? All I want to do is create. You gotta please yourself and not worry about pleasing everybody else. I was gonna bring the black book. I'm gonna post it on uh, on our IG. Yeah, the make black sure book. You I'm gonna tag. Yeah. No, but I can't love tag to you. See that. You don't have it set up to be tagged. I don't. I'd love so to see that. It's good. Really but I'll either. Yeah. Either way, I'll, I'll send it. I'll, I'll forward it to you so you can check it out. But I don't know, man. Yo, back in the check day. Yo, but I'm telling you, homie, back in the day. So I would grab my black book and just hand it out. Different artists, some dope artists. This is when. You had a bunch of different crews all up in, in, in the Gables area and whatnot, but yo, so I added those names. That up. was that was a that but was a thing though in high school. Everybody had, uh, had these black little book. black books and 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 you'd tag in other people's books. So if you kept any of those, listen, I have that black book. If you, I'm sure there's some some yes. some gems in there. Yes, and one know? of the gems is an artist at the time that was named Confuse. Oh wow, I remember that guy. So Confuse was dope as fuck. You yourself, sir. Thank you. That was super dope. I still have that. Wow. So in that book, and I kept it because, yo, a lot of my friends were just graffiti artists. And I didn't know them by their graffiti names. So then they're I find out. Friends, they're right? just, you know, I'll sit, hang out with them and just talk shit. Up until later on, I find out. They're like, they'll call them by their name. They react. I go, yo, that's you? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. They're like, man, that pinga is dope. I give props and back to normal bro like you, you know what i went through the other day i ran into somebody that was talking to me about graffiti back in the days da, 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 and they asked me hey do you remember i don't want to say their names but do you remember fulano de tal and do you remember this guy and i was like yeah he called them by their tags and i was like holy shit i i gave those kids their tags wow. right i'm 43 those dudes gotta be 40 right which right now in the grand scheme of things don't mean a fucking thing but when we were when I was 15 and they were 12 and I gave them their first tag, we were on way different levels back then. And here I am listening to the, these names again. And I'm like, yo, I gave them their tags. Because that's what you did. You took the little niggas with you to the pennants and you tagged. Yeah. And, and we helped them find their tags. I, I, I don't want to say their tag. No, you don't now. have to. Yeah, you don't, don't have to. It's but right. I don't want to put yeah. them out there because some the tremendo delincuente. 
And, and, they, and they'll probably have complejase with me and want to beat my ass and be like, nigga, you didn't give me that tag bullshit, nigga. I gave you that tag. You was a little nigga back then. You I know, and I was, I, was, I was big bro to you. And that's cool. It just, it just was like that, you know? We didn't want to put them out there and make them feel anything. Nah, no, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But there way. was, you know, the, those training grounds of graffiti. You know, in Miami, we had these things called pennants. You remember yes. the pennants, right? We had yes. 79th Street. We had Airport Pennant. The, we had the, the Malibu. Americas. Yeah, yeah, the Malibu, Malibu Pennant. Yes. And, and, you know, I was part of GOK, Damn Crew. I was one of the early members in, in GOK. And, and uh, you know, that, that, that was training grounds for me for creativity. Absolutely. You know, they pick your own tag. Uh, you know, and the crazier the tag, the better. So I picked Confuse, right? And then I would use the damn letters to, like, write my tag. And I, I don't know, like, I started developing freedom of creativity at definitely with being in graffiti and watching these these masters paint. Those, listen, those guys were amazing. You gotta admit, like whether you liked the Damn Crew style or not, Damn Crew had its own flavor. That 727 had its own flavor. And it's crazy because there's like 15 of us right now that's, that that still use 727 in our life. Like, like, yo, I got, you know, my buddy got it tattooed. Yeah, seven that's two, for life. That's for know? life. 727 is damn crew, right? And, and and that was just our number. And, like, yo, like, my dog just got married on 727. Like, wow. like it's, it's deep. It's a big thing. Yeah, yeah it's deep it goes for deeper. us. It goes deep. It goes yeah, deep. Yeah. That's dope as hell, man. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> man, that's some, like, brotherhood. Definitely, it's, yeah, definitely years, it's a brotherhood. Years. I mean, that, you know, the Palm Pirate? You ever see the videos that I do for that guy called the Palm Pirate that I travel to Japan with? Yes. There's this guy that I go to Japan with. He's a koi fish master. Yeah, the guy's from Miami. He's from fucking Westchester. Uh, he used to write Godzilla. He used to be in Damn Crew. And, and, like, he's one of those guys that, like, you know, we have that brotherhood with that it's a graffiti bond. And here we are years later. And, I don't know, we travel the world looking for koi fish. And I film it. That's dope. And <laughs> it's, yeah. it's crazy because, he's, he's, you know, he's a dude from Westchester. But, I don't know, he knows about koi fish more than, like, a it's lot of people. Though. It's still community, brother. Exactly. Community. Yeah. yeah, it's dope. Very cool. Yo, you guys let me know if I talk too much because you got me kind of stoned so I can, like, <laughs> I can go. <laughs> you started doing the graffiti thing as, as, a, as a youngster, and then you finally got creative enough to start writing music. You got into yeah. the music thing. High then, school, ninth grade. So once you started jumping into the music thing, you stuck into, you were diving into, the, into this industry, and you lasted how long? I don't know. I think I put in a good 10 years. In 10 years, you saw a lot. I think I put industry. in a good 10 years. I don't know, like, from when I started rapping to, like, when I stopped. I don't know. You saw a lot, man. You you went through all the motions. I mean, in high school, I rapped, but I, I don't think I took it seriously and, like, invested my money and, like, did shit till, like, yeah, like, 19, 20, 21 years old. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I was working. Out of high school. I, I, yeah, I had a job. I was slanging weed, and, <laughs> and, you know, I was lit. You know, and I was living all over the place and doing my thing, you know. But, yeah, like, I want to say, like, 1920 is when I, I said I took music seriously. I, I went and I had a song. It was called Yo. Yo! That was the hook, right? <laughs> and uh, we had this song called Yo, and I, I pressed it on vinyl, and I took it to DJ Khaled when he was at Mix 96. Mix 96. Yeah. I went there. I brought him the motherfucking, the record. The nigga was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. He never played it. And we would call, and we would call, and he never played it. <laughs> I went, I made another dub plate, and I came back, and I gave it to him, and he never played it. Like, that's how far back I go. 
that's that was like one of the first things that kind of like hurt my feelings. I was like, damn, because he wasn't sh really shit yet, but he was a hey, he was on on mix ninety six. No, he was making noise. On he was mix making 96. noise, yeah, and it was all reggae. It wasn't really the hip hop shit. And our song has some steel drums in it, so I was like, I don't know, what's up, steel drums, <laughs> reggae, steel drums, Jamaica. I don't know, there. like. Put me in the so, mix. Put you know, me in coach. When I, when I think about it, the record was probably super whack. You know, we had this outcast kind of down south Chico flow where we throw Spanish words in there. And honestly, I always think I was just ahead of my time. Straight up. I think I think if, if I was 19, 20 years old right now with just the same me, but just growing up now with the same mind frame, I think things would have been different. I was very limited, you know, and, and the people weren't ready yeah, for weren't Spanglish. Ready for they weren't. And I think you, I think you would definitely take advantage of all the platforms that are available now for an artist. I mean, on our MySpace, we had like four hundred thousand fucking <laughs> listens. That was a big deal back yeah. then. It was. It really it was. It was popping. It was. Uh, you know, I was selling CDs, so I had a group. I had a group of four guys, including myself, and we all quit our jobs and we sold music for one year. A whole year, we were able to sustain it, and everybody was on payroll. They made five fifty, six hundred bucks a week, which wasn't a lot. But that's what you that made a week. And you were selling more. and you were selling CDs, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four days. So you were making five fifty plus I don't know, whatever money we made off the CDs, that's what we bought the weed yeah, with. But you that's were having fun. And we were know? having fun, yeah. And you were able to pay your bills and you had time to still hustle and do your own thing on the side and make extra money, which is what I did. But we we're all on, on salary and that was a great thing, man, to sell that many mixtapes. We had Tremenda Factoria, right? We'd go, we'd, we'd re write the music, record the music, mix the music. We would press the CDs because back then, uh, Bombillo was selling, you know, that was one of the services that he offered. He had CD towers, so we were burning the CDs. All those CDs you saw us give, us, give away, we made them. Yeah, CD yeah. burner. We had CD burner. We had towers. I had towers that would do 10 at a time. We had like fucking 10 of those things. The little papers and the thing. Yeah, cause <laughs> we'd have we'd have CD burning parties, dog. Yeah. Us would, you know, just invite the girls over, get a bottle of honey, roll some blunts, and that's what we're doing today. Yeah, trabajar. Trabajar. tomorrow. We gotta go give our CDs, you know. Yes, and I know that Cayocho was heavy, a heavy spot to be able to promote. I mean, Cayocho's gotten smaller throughout the years, though. Before it was it was a legit yeah. two th two and a half miles. That yeah. strip was two and a half miles of party, bro. Yeah. And, yeah, they, they cut it down. You, know? <laughs> you have uh, you had to ride out if you're a family person by by three thirty four o'clock because <laughs> that's when that's all the gangsters came through. I, I mean, opened up for Julio Voltio. I want to say this was maybe uh, 08, 09. No, Cayocho. Yeah, Cayocho. This might have been. Yeah, this was 09. All right, Julio Botio had, had you know, dropped Chulín Chulín Kung Fly, you know, a year before. He was still hot. He was still coming out with stuff. And I go up there, and uh, and I'm opening up for Julio Botio, and I do my music, and they love it, right? The people love it. They love it so much that they all started throwing beer bottles at the at the <laughs> at the stage. Now, mind you, they had they had like 
a net. So when I got on stage, I hadn't noticed a net till I got on stage, and I was like, yo, what the fuck? They got a net? How is this happening? Yo, and, and I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm performing in front of the net. It's, tiene que ser por algo, no? Yeah. And it's like the people would get so rowdy and so happy. They were, yeah. They would just throw shit to the stage. <laughs> no, I, I, I kid you not. At first, I was confused. I was like, yo, I, am I bombing right now? But I wasn't. They were like, and when I told them, yo, otra. And they were like, yeah, otra. Boom, and eventually I bring Voltio out, and when he does Chulin, Chulin, Goon Fly, out of that one, dog, they go Everybody nuts. They lost it. They loved Did they this throw song. shit at him? Yeah, <laughs> they threw shit at both of us. They kept, wow, wow. Cool. And, then, and, and when we got off stage, they're booing. Oh, no, otra, otra. What a Crazy. moment, huh? Yeah, I'm it was insane. insane, dog, to be there with uh, with Julio Voltio enjoying that. I, got, I was lucky, right? Like, I had access to those kind of guys that really loved me and really respected me. And remember, 04, 05, 06, 07, 08, if you were one of those artists and you came to Miami and you asked who was popping in Miami, where do we go? You had to come one block down, right down 30th Street, because that's where I live, 30th and 21st. You had to come to the studio there. Voltio came there. Tego Calderon came there. Don Omar came there. Everybody came to Sofla Studio. Everybody. You had to come by at least once. It's the hood. The only insane. studio in Alapata. We were the first. Serious. We were the first artist signed to Pitbull. We we're the first artist signed to Pitbull. So Fla Kings, and then after a few months, that didn't fucking work out, and we made a big stink about it, and we left. Right, but we were the first artist. I can't tell you how many times Pitbull sat there and listened to songs and would complain. God damn, it's hot as fuck here, So Fla. but now nigga had the brand new Pro Tools and she was heating everything up. You know. Damn. And they got some Pro Tools with una caja. Yeah, yeah that tremenda know? caja that you, uh -huh. that you put in. I was the only guy in the hood with a fucking $50,000 recording studio and his fucking efficiency next door. Literally, two blocks from here. Though. We had an efficiency next door. When the, when, the fucking client, when the tenant finally got out, bomb, nigga, we put our money together. 50 bands, we bought a Pro Tool, Mac, a $10,000 microphone. Oh, the pinga. Y dale, no? Y dale, no? <laughs> the only niggas. The only niggas doing it like that. You had to come. True story. True story. Alex's Alex's cousin had something to do with the management of Julio Voltio. And they brought Julio Voltio to the house. And Al started playing some beats. The other nigga in the group started playing some beats. And uh, he played a beat that had like a kind of like a piano kind of sound to it. And I'm not lying. Julio Voltio sang to us in the house right here. Julito Maraña de Malamaña. He did the whole song. He did the whole song. He was just not freestyling, but like, I guess it remind, he, that song was about to come out because he had already had it. Obviously, he knew it by heart, right? But we heard it and we were like, holy shit. We never heard nobody rap in Spanish like that. We've heard the, the Daddy Yankee, 30, 30, 360 letra, letra violenta. We've heard that shit, but we never heard. A nigga on some real like hip hop shit, and he sang that shit to us right there in the crib. That was amazing. It made me want to do Spanish rap after watching. And then we you know I maintained that friendship with him, and eventually I opened up for him for many shows. I opened up for Alexis y Fido. I'm actually on their Sobrenatural album, song number one. It's me, Alexis, Voltio, De La Ghetto. It's a bunch of us on this one song called Si Me Matan. I'm on that. I performed with them then i went on the road with yankee for a while that was pretty cool i got to see some real interesting stuff with yankee i was i was with yankee at his uh mtv two dollar bill concert 
uh, which was like the first time a reggaeton artist was really getting play on like MTV. He had his new, the, the new DY shoe with Reebok, you know, and at this concert he was bringing out uh, Fat Joe and like Busta Rhymes and shit. And I don't know, I was there like, it was pretty cool. I was hanging out with these guys. Yo, ahí con la trenza y la cadena y la que bola serie. Everybody used to call me, oye, Cubita. Cuba, Cuba. Because I don't know, we're from Miami. That's just how we talk, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's the way it is. So it was, I, I definitely got to. Yeah, I've seen a lot of different eras. I got to do some, I got to do some cool shit. It was fun. You know, on that trip, on that trip, I, uh, so we're in New York. It was pretty crazy because there was a like a pandemonium with Yankee. He went to this place called Cuchifrito. If you're from New York, you know about the Cuchifritos. They're like these little Dominican, Puerto Rican little restaurants where you get just like, I don't know, the food is like fritanga style, but it's like Dominican food or whatever, right? Uh, so we go out there with Yankee. My manager at the time was doing his clothes, whatever, long story show. We go out there, boom, we're going out for the MTV $2 bill concert. And... Uh, so Yankee leaves the hotel room and goes to eat cuchifrito. He goes to get to go get a breakfast. He decides not to tell nobody, right? We're all at this. We're all at the hotel, right? Me, my manager, his manager, his brother, everybody. It's a big group of us, like twenty of us, fifteen of us, you know. He decides to go. Well, at some point, I get the call and it's like, "Yo, you gotta come downstairs. We gotta get in the van. We gotta go get Raymond, uh, Yankee, right?" So I'm like, "All right, cool. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I just go down there. Boom. Uh, I get in the van." And they're freaking out. They're like, yo, he's stuck at Cuchifrito. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, he's stuck. So when we get there, all of us got to like, <coughs> excuse me, hold on to crowd. each other. Yeah, and we got to get him out. Because remember, we still got to go to the, we got to go to, to the theater, which is like two blocks away. This, yeah, the theater was like two blocks away from that Cuchifrito. So he went there to eat, thinking he was just going to walk to the theater when he's done. Because Yankee's originally from New York, right? Like, well, he's Puerto Rican, but like he grew up there. Right. That's his neighborhood, Right. But this is this is after Gasolina, though. Of he, course they're gonna recognize he kinda, him. You know, he kind of thought he could Biggest just sneak song in, in the, the world. Yeah, yeah. And I was there, and when I got there, I'd never seen so many people outside of a restaurant. It was crazy. We we're in the Bronx, 183rd and Grand Concourse, I think it's called. So I don't know. We was in the Bronx. I know that. And uh, yeah, cause we had to get him out, nigga. And they were dude, grabbing his hat and and they pulled they pulled my homeboy that was with us. They pulled his shoe off. I got his shoe. I got his shoe. <laughs> it was crazy. And I actually recorded that. I had a camcorder in my hand. I recorded the whole thing. And the guy that was with me still has that tape. I don't know if he might have thrown it away by now or something, but he always he kept that tape because we wanted to keep it for whatever. And like we filmed ourselves in this like. Beatles mania melee when they saw Yankee and it was really impressive to all of us be huddled up and be protecting this guy while people are just trying to fucking mob him and it was just insane touch him. yeah just to touch him it was insane I had never experienced that and you know I don't even know if he remembers that I don't know he probably remembers that but I mean I'm sure it's happened to him a million times but but it was pretty impressive to be there and like to be at the height of his career and to be there, and uh, it was it was cool. It was a cool thing to see. That's a great experience. Yeah, that's really a great experience. Either I way. Saw him, I saw him like yeah, I was just saying that getting getting booed off stage really sucks. I don't know if you ever been booed off stage, but I've been booed. I got uh, I got booed off a of stage once. I was opening up for Don Chesina. Remember that reggaeton guy? 
Donchesina, you don't remember don't that? Don't feel bad because we have no idea. Who okay, that well, Donchesina is like this really old reggaeton guy who used to rap really fast, like, like super fast, whatever. <laughs> old school guy. And uh, we had this show uh, down, right down 22nd Avenue on 14th Street. I thought I was so cool. I sh- I had my dreads were still growing. I had my dreads in a, in a dread hat. I came with a guayabera, shorts, high socks, and chancletas. That's how I was going to do my show, because I was Latin, Latino, Latino hip-hop flavor, right? I was always trying to be left field. Uh-huh. And I got up there, and I started doing my shit, nigga. And, like, fucking two minutes into it, they were like, it's like, you know, booing is like a cancer, because it was like one bitch, she was like, <laughs> Everybody started. Well, then her friend was like, I boo-boo. And then before you know it, it's everybody's boo-boo. Chesina, Chesina, Chesina. And I fucking just, I just threw, the, threw mic the mic. And I left. That was the name of the rapper that they were waiting for. His name was Don Chesina. And when I got off stage and we walked by him, he just kind of like gave us the not like the, like, the oh. disappointed nod. You know what I mean? You guys suck. Fuck you, asshole. You won't be opening up for us anymore. You know, I don't know, man. I'm real about shit. I'm pretty transparent, and that's a true story. Uh, and it is what it is. I'm telling you, man. You got these stories are A1. But that's the whole point of this. You know what I'm saying? Because when you think about it, you never, you don't, you don't hear the story from the horse's mouth. And Miami's not a, we don't believe anyone anyways. You know what I mean? So to hear it from the, straight from the horse's mouth and someone that, man, I, if it wasn't for these experiences, you wouldn't be where you're at today. hundred percent. I mean, I'm still experiencing those things like today, right? Because there's even people from back then that like, I like, it's crazy. Like, like my girlfriend tells me all the time, she's like, yo, everywhere we go, everywhere we go, you know, somebody there, somebody comes up to you. And they call you different names. Some people call you Trap. Some people call you Sofla. Some people call you Papo. Right? If you know me as Papo, that means, bro, we were probably in elementary school together. Right? Elementary, junior high. Right? You know me since a kid. That's my name, Papo. I have it tattooed on me. But if you call me Trap, I know you know me from the Sofla Kings days. And, and, and you know me specifically from that. But if you call me Sofla, I know that you met me when I went solo. That's, uh, right, I know that because once the group stopped, you know, and, and you know, Bombillo said he wasn't going to be a part of the group anymore. He didn't want nothing to do with it. I kept the name. I said, okay, cool. I'm just going to keep the name. And that's what I did. So if you call me Soulfly, I know that you know me from my solo career and not from, not from back then. So, yeah. And if you call me Guillermo, I, my mom, probably in trouble. <laughs> right? You're probably a police officer or a lawyer or child support or somebody. You know or they mean? call you Guillermo. Guillermo. The transition from artist to film, where, where did that happen? We bought a camera, a Canon 5D Mark II for our studio, five-star studio. Shout out to Libra, 173 Entertainment. Shout out to Frankie. Lahama TV. <clears throat> and we bought this camera to have it in the studio. And uh, I don't know, there was going to be a director that was going to come in or something. Camera sat there for like six months, collected dust. And then one day I said, yo, I want to I I sh- shoot a video 
for one of the artists that were there. I was like, yo, I'll shoot your video. And that's it. That was it. I was hooked. <laughs> My... Right, yeah, yeah, right from the beginning, there was nobody else. I didn't have a budget. I couldn't call jokes to edit it for me. Shout out to jokes, right? I didn't have a budget for jokes. Mind you, I, I come from, I, I, I'm a guinea pig for some of Miami's most amazing directors, right? When jokes was starting, jokes did all Sofla King's videos. You know what I mean? I learned, I watched jokes edit my videos. You know, I watched uh, David Rousseau, who did all of Pitbull's videos. He did a video for us too. Remember, we worked with Garcia. We have a video with Garcia, you know what I'm saying? That now Garcia's fucking out Shout of out here, Garcia. you feel me? Shout, Shout out, out Garcia, David right? David Russo. David Russo, I mean, I don't know, man. There was a lot of guys that did videos for us that I felt very blessed. Shout out to Box Low, uh, you know, who took a big chance on me and did and did videos and, and kind of took me under his wing and showed me how to do it. Shout out to Thurston Howell and the, uh, the Low Lives, too, you know? Like, I don't know. I just started doing film. I was tired of making music. Film gave me a, again, a way to stay creative, but now it kind of didn't matter what I looked like or what I said. It kind of mattered what you said in front of my camera. Took a lot of pressure off of me. Yeah, you, that, all that pressure of you uh, can't be yourself is gone. I was so excited for my first video shoot. Shout out to Kalel for trusting me to shoot his video. I'm sorry that I was a disaster on my first video shoot. I was. Uh, I went to space that night. I had a great fucking time. I had a real stuffy nose in the morning when I got to when I got to the video shoot, <laughs> and I was still drunk. And I showed up with my camera, and I was like, "Yo, I can't do it to him, right? Like, we got this apartment, we got these chicks, and I shot his video. I was really irresponsible and really fucked up. And I I said, "Damn, you know what? I like this shit. I, I can't treat it like this. This this ain't like an artist." As an artist, I get banged up. I show up on stage. I grab the fucking mic. I rock it. You pay me my money, and I'm out, right? Like rock star shit, you think about it, right? But this is not like that. This is technica. This is, this right? is details. This is details. I never cared about details. This is real business, you know? Yeah, in fact. Now, there's, now it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole plan you have to put into, into action. It's not easy, bro. I'll tell you, what I, what I do... For a living is not easy. I procure my own jobs. I execute my jobs. Not only am I a director and an editor, because I see jobs from beginning to end, but a lot of times I produce my own jobs, right? If when the budget's big enough, I'll hire, you know, five guys. I have a five-man crew that I normally work with, and I'll hire those guys, right? Shout-outs to Jamie. Shout-outs to Paolo. You know, shout-outs to Luke. My guys are off the chain. When I got budgets, I hire them. But a lot of times I'm shooting, procuring, editing. I'm doing everything myself. I got, a, you know, I got equipment and I'm able to travel and I'm able to fucking tell a story and that keeps me employed. I don't know how. I don't know how I was able to do that. But somehow or another, my, my gift of storytelling is noticeable in my video work, right? So, yeah, I started doing fucking... You know, event recaps, I did music videos. And if you look at it, most of the music videos I've ever directed, they're a story. That's probably why I didn't make it as a great music video director. Because I don't think in performance scene. And, and shout out to all the music video directors out there. Like, man, if you do great ones, that's awesome. But I don't know, maybe I, I don't have maybe that eye. Because I always wanted to tell a story. 
well, why does this guy have to be rapping the whole time? Why can't we tell the story of the girl and she betrays him? And I always, you know, that's that was what my brain went to, you know? And so I did music videos, but then, I don't know, I just kind of kept... You kept evolving. Because yeah. it sounds like you were restrained again. You're not, you know, by not being able to have that freedom of telling the story however you wanted to. Yes. You know what did it for me? And, and I say this, and so people are going to fucking laugh. You know what really changed shit for me was when I started videotaping weddings. Yeah. I, a friend of mine called me, hey, have you ever done a wedding before? I was like, no. I was like, how much you pay me? She said, oh, I'll pay you this much. I was like, okay, let's do it. And I went and shot a wedding. And I learned real quick that there's a, there's a formula, right? There's a getting ready. There's a fucking few pictures before the ceremony. You do a ceremony. Uh, you know, you got the you got the cocktail hour, and then you got the reception, you got the fucking the the garment toss. Like, there's these things that just gotta happen, and they tell a story, a very specific story. And I'm so grateful that I did weddings, even though now I don't like to film them anymore. I still do when people call me. Uh, I, I tend to do bigger weddings, and I'll be like a like a main shooter on that. Uh, but doing the weddings really made me say, "Coño, hold on, damn, look, you finally." In your creative pursuit, you're finally telling a story, right? With a real story arc, right? That goes, you know, that bring, brings you into something that changes you and that you come out a better person, a new person, right? Yeah, kind of, right? Because when you go and you just shoot a video for like Liv and it's fucking Bad Bunny on stage, like, you know, story to that. You get the bad bitches, you get the bottles, you get the nigga on stage. And call it a day, right? But this you have to think about, right? And 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 you can't miss shots, right? When Poppy comes to see his daughter for the first time, these are moments that you can't. There is no, hey, can you do that again? Oh, oh don't move. You know. You know, and it it forced me to have structure to understand da da da. And then from there, I just kept evolving. Where now, uh, now I shoot mostly narrative stuff. That's most of the stuff that I shoot is narrative. So getting into the narrative. What was the first big project that you worked on, that you released? That was. I was. I would say, the, the my first doc that I dropped would be the Nishiki Goy drop, uh, Nishiki Goy documentary that I did with Eric Santana in Tokyo, in Japan. So I went with him to Japan, and he's a guy from Miami who who. who who builds ponds and sells koi fish. And he had this crazy idea that he's like, yo, since I sell koi fish, I want to go to Japan to where these koi fish come from and I want to learn from the best breeders. And let's, let's go over there. I want to buy fish from there and I want to bring them back because I'm the man and I want to record it all and make content. So at the time I was itching to do a documentary and you know, you, so you have to use what's, what you have, right? I couldn't, you can sit here and think of, oh, why didn't you do a documentary about this or that? But like, I was going with this guy to Japan. I'm like, when you let me turn this into a story. So. And Japan, like, how cool is that? I mean, he's a going halfway around you the know? world. He's a, he's a Cuban guy that did graffiti, who grew up in Miami, who's now selling koi fish to like Hassan Whiteside and DJ Khaled, and like, right? Like a spiritual journey. When we went over there, he we actually we actually bought like eight fish for Has, for Hassan Whiteside. Uh, who at the time was playing for the Heat. He even, he, as a matter of fact, uh, he's posted about his about koi fish. fish. Yeah. We call him the OGs. We call him, we call him the OGs. So yeah, when, so, so basically I followed him to Japan and 
the deal was, hey, I'm going to give you your content, right? Because you need your content. But while I'm here, I'm going to shoot a documentary, right? Every bit of footage that I don't use for your content, I'm going to use for my doc. Fair deal? And he was like, fuck yeah. So I did this documentary and it's following Eric as he goes, visits all these koi ponds in the uh, Yamakoshi Mountains in the north of Japan where these koi fish come from, where they've been breeded at for generations. You know, we went to koi houses that were 200 years old, like where great-grandfather and grandfather, like... So if you watch it, there's... You, so you get to meet... I kind of tried to show you everything of how that process goes, right? So Eric is a buyer slash seller, right? Lower level, he's buying, and then he's bringing them back here and selling. And then when we got there, we met a guy named Tim who is... Uh, he has a company called Koi Trips, and he, he, he's from England... But he speaks Japanese, and he's been coming here for 20 years buying fish. So he's like your middleman. And he puts, like, let's say, un 10% a pecado. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But without, well, without Tim, without Tim you can't go. So you pay Tim your bread. He puts you in a hotel, right? And then Tim takes you up the mountain every day, and we go visit all these farms. And it's, he's our guide, but he, he also speaks Japanese, and he's really cool. And then I introduce you to Shintaro, who's one of the top master koi breeders over there who's got his own breed of koi that his grandfather started and it's just fucking so i was able to interview these four people and put the story together and yeah and it was you know wasn't i, I think i would have done it completely different right now right not knowing what i know but but it was a great experience to to what i consider to be filmmaking you, you can uh, look it up on youtube it's called nishiki goi uh and, and that word nishikigoi, it means uh, it means living jewel. That's what that word means in Japanese. Nishikigoi, which koi, nishikigoi comes from that. And it means living jewels. And I mean, that's what those guys are doing, man. They're like genetically painting these fish. Uh, long story short, we put that out and I got, that was my bug. That's it. I was like, oh, what's next? Uh, oh, okay. I know what's next. I've been following one of my best friends, one of my brothers, my homies. I love this guy. I've been following my friend Yuli around for like four years. And I've been filming fights and I've been filming shit. And I just keep it 100 with you. My deal with him wasn't, it wasn't money. It wasn't promises. We never talked about nothing. Yo, what you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm going to go shoot. Right? And it was just, I just, I always knew I needed to get content. And, and, and my boy was doing amazing things. And I looked at it like practica, right? Like, when you, I can get, make my craft better because I got dope people that I can film and do stuff with. Bro, I started shooting him, filming him. One day I go with him to, uh, he has a fight with this guy. Yeah, I forgot the guy's name. We get there. Uh, Yuli gets into the ring and gets the world record for three seconds. Guinness Book world record, fastest knockout ever in sports combat history, three seconds. And I'm there with my camera. I was back. I was backstage. I was there's the world record. You and know? for those of you who don't know, he's talking about Yuli Monster Diaz. Yeah, Yuli the Monster Diaz. <laughs> Shout, Monster out. Diaz. Shout out. Shout out to, to Monster Diaz. Shout out my dog, man. I, I love him. I've known him for a long time and always been an amazing person with me. And and I don't know, man. To the day I die, Yuli can call me and tell me, "Hey, Papo, I I need you for whatever," and I'm there. I don't that's know. That's the kind of person he is too. Yeah, yeah that's how he is too. hundred percent. Let me tell you, he's been on the show three times. 
He's amazing. And he's coming Every back. round, he's going to come <laughs> back. We're going to ask him to come out because I know he has his his, uh, his podcast, Don't Blink. Yes. Shout out to his podcast. Shout out he's to Two Nice. Really yeah, man. He's, he's the food truck, which we're going to get in with you. Yeah, you let's know? talk about this food truck. I mean, hold on, that, hold on. That, but no, yeah. but we have to go chronological on, order. <laughs> Wait, so, we're talking about. So, so I got all this it. footage of Yuli. Yes. Let's, he let's he wins the he, he wins the bell world record three seconds, and se malumbra bombillo, and I say, oh, I got enough footage to do a documentary on you. I got a great idea. You're about to fight Thiago Alves. I'm gonna film that. Right, I'm going to film all the way up to that, but I'm going to do this amazing interview with you in the middle of a ring all by yourself, and, and, and you're going to tell us your life story, and I have all the video footage from the past four years of your life to prove it. I, can, I, can, I have it all. I have everything. So uh, that's what we did, and the, the movie's called Never Too Late because if, if you know Yuli's, Yuli's story, right, he started fighting late in life, and it was really just a never too late situation and i don't know the the we uh, we discussed from the beginning win or lose with that tiago fight was completely irrelevant to our movie right it was right I, the pressure wasn't for me and him the pressure was oh my god i have to win because you know to pa type shit for me it was like win or lose it doesn't matter because we won just being here can you believe it my dog we're here and you're fighting Tiago Alves tonight. My dog, you're in, you're in the big leagues. And I was there backstage. I'm there. I had a camera in my hand. And if you watch the movie, you can search that up on YouTube. You go right Never Too Late, Yuli Diaz. And you can see the, the, the short film. Six-time uh, six best short documentary winner. In case y'all ain't know. Congratulations, Thank sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> that shit is Thank dope you, as sir. fuck. Thank you, sir. Yo, I'm telling you, when we saw that that was coming out we we were like no fucking way yeah we know him personally so it, it's just such a beautiful story you know what i love about him is that every time i see him he's a different he's he's an evolved version of his previous self and he's always been like that his whole life ever, ever since I, like i don't know you the type of nigga in my life that like I, if I don't see him for six months, it doesn't matter. I see him right now. His love, his what's up. Yeah, yeah, nothing, ain't nothing changed. But I see him now. He has braids. And then six months from now, I run into that nigga and he got dreads. Oh, I'm sorry. Six months from now, I run into him, he got dreads. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I don't know. Like, I love it because he's always reinventing himself. He's always pushing. He's always striving. And, and I think that that's why my soul was like, connected to his and wanted to document this because I knew that he's a special person. There's something very special about this person. He impacts a lot of people's lives. And there's nobody, there's nobody that you can meet in the streets that can say anything bad about Yuli Diaz. And if they do, they come mierdas. Right? There's some sapingo hating yeah. ass yeah, niggas. There's always <laughs> one. Right. Right? There's always one we know of, right? But in reality, ain't nobody talking bad about the homie out there, right? Because he's an amazing human being, dog. You know? So shout out to my brother Yuli. I don't know. Thank you. Thank you for letting me film you and and dog, we just we keep winning, you know. I don't know if I told you guys, but we've won six times. Best short documentary. <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't, say it again, say it again. I don't think no, no, for no, the people for I, those that don't know. In case you wait, just, wait, hold on. Yeah. But 
could you list the names of these these no awards? no i'm way too stoned right now i know we won uh <laughs> i know we won the oklahoma cine latino i know we won the urban film festival uh so you won six yeah we won six <laughs> yeah my bad it was good good stuff and then and then uh yeah, that's it. I'm bit by the bug. That's all I want to do now is I want to do movies. And and you know what sucks about me is that I'm I'm an obsessor. I'm a creative obsessor. And now I have a new obsession. And it's like the 10th obsession of my life. You know what I'm saying? And I get obsessions. I lose girlfriends, friends. I, I miss out on life. I obsess deeply. So what, deeply, right? So when you I was, want to let us in on, on this obsession? Yeah, the obsession is is fucking film. Movies. Movies. I want to make fucking movies. Big I wanna, yeah, I want to I mean, make. That's like the long term now. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, to be honest, you have all the freedom in the world. And I think that fits you much better than anything else. I, oh, I, I made it a deal in 2020. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I made it a, a, like a deal to myself that I wanted to own intellectual property on everything that I did. So anything that I do with you, I own intellectual property on that. So these movies that I've been doing, I own them. Something happens with them. It's directly with me. You know, the music is... to worry about. Yeah, the music is royalty-free. A lot of the music in there was produced by local Miami people. The new movie that I'm working on right now is going to be fully produced by one Miami producer. Oh. Which is going to be my, my first feature film that I'm working on right now. Amazing. If you need an extra... Or a I'm a production <laughs> assistant or something, right? <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man. Like, and, you know, and I'm here saying movies, but these ain't movies that are in Hollywood or nothing. They've only done good in these film festivals, and and they've been winning, and they've been, you know, getting me my props and getting me my respect. Uh, but at the end of the day, I like I don't care about none of that shit. I, I just really like doing this shit, and my gut's telling me, Macho, keep doing this. You're good at it. You feel good. It feels good. You know, I've been able to make a documentary about La Religión, right? Iwapele, which is a, probably my personal favorite thing that I've done, you know. I went to Africa, my brother, and I, and I, came, I went to where, where Ifa and Santeria come from. And I did a whole docu-series. It's called Iwapele. It's on my, it's on my YouTube page. It's on my, uh, it's on my Instagram as well. So episode one, I, I started in Miami, and then I went to Nigeria. I went to Ibadan, Nigeria. I visited the Oshun River. I was in the state of Ogun. Like all these santos that people talk about, I went to the places where they're named from. Yeah, yeah. And then recently I went to Brazil and I did episode two of, of Iwapele. And I met with a candomblé priest out there. And, and you know, I, for me, it's all about culture, right? Because with the koi fish, that's like a, like a cultural thing. Like with the yuli, that's like a... Like a Miami thing, it's you know? It's a Miami culture thing. Right? It's a yeah. Miami culture thing. And, like, I don't know. Like, everything for me is just culture, cuz. I don't know. I want to tell these stories. That's why I say it's almost like a spiritual journey for, for you. You know, it's part, of our, it's part of our heritage. It's part of our culture right now, right? If we're Latino, we know that Santeria exists, right? And if you really think about it, when you guys think about Santeria, the majority of people find it to be in, in a, una cosa oculta, uh, dark black magic uh killing animals and this that and the third and and i set out to prove that that's not what it's about that is not what the word what what that religion is about that that's what it's viewed at viewed as because of kind of like western media or whatever but that's not really what it is and that's why i went to africa and i went to i visited the oshun river 
Like that was a amazing thing to walk down to that river and and visit a UNESCO heritage site that's you know 4000 years old. Way before Christ, my brother. You know that what I'm saying? Serious. And uh so it's, it's it's crazy and then I went to Brazil and I kind of found like another aspect of it which is the candomblé aspect of it. Which is exactly like Santeria, exactly like Lucumí. Igualito. It's just in Portuguese. That's it. Semantics. I feel like semantics is what separates us all. Yeah, I agree. Right? Semantics and lack of empathy, I think, as well, because we don't I mean, want to We don't want to understand. Everything well, to us is what we've been told. Well, you can imagine in some, in some countries, in the third world countries, you don't have the same type of empathy. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if it's, if it's a really bad disaster, oh, I feel bad. You really don't care unless yeah. it's an immediate family. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I, the yeah, level. It affects you for the most part. Yeah, and that sucks. You overlook man. it. Especially here in Western civilization, it's that's what it is. I don't know. You travel a little bit, and uh, I think it changes you. It changes your perspective. You know, I think right now in our conversation, we just spoke about Japan. We spoke about Africa, Nigeria. Nigeria and Brazil. Africa, Brazil. You know. I don't know, bro. You start going to these types of places and you start really seeing the world. I've been to London twice. Um, one of the times I went to London, I shot the Crown Prince of Benin, which is a country in Africa, which is where the word voodoo comes from, which is actually vodun, as French-based. And the word actually means to be in, in sync with God and nature. That's what the word vodun means. But when you think of voodoo, that's not what you think. That is not what comes yeah. to mind. But that's what that word means to them, to, to those people over there. And I shot the Crown Prince. He was celebrating his 38th birthday in London at the Four Seasons on the Thames River. And he hired me to, Amazing. to go shoot that. Instagram is a motherfucker. I'm going to tell you guys something. I, 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 I do what I call fishing and hunting. I fish a lot. I hunt a lot. If I want to shoot you, if I want to connect with you, I will write to you. I will offer you my services for I'm cheap. For you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hunt you. I will. Um, you know, and when I started to do Iwapele, and, and I started following this guy, the Crown Prince of Benin on, on Instagram. I don't, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, but when I started following him, I'm like, wow, this guy has to be in my movie. Plus, he's super rich. Maybe he can help me fund the movie. He talks a lot about the same stuff that I like and stuff like that. So I wrote to him uh, for probably like three or four months. And then eventually he wrote back to me. I showed him some stuff. He fucking called me like an hour later. And two weeks later, I was in London shooting the Crown Prince of Benin. And I was staying at the biggest penthouse I've ever stayed in ever in my life at the Four Seasons on the Tame River looking at the London Bridge. I mean, it doesn't get no more. No, yeah. My grandma used to say, que no mama no llora. It's true. And you were persistent. Sorry, que no llora no mama. Sorry, you got to fix that. My grandma used to say, que no llora no mama. There you go. Yeah, que And I wrote to that guy, and, and bro, you know what? Let me tell you, it was an incredible experience. I, I stayed at the Four Seasons. Apparently, his family, like, is part of, like, some club where they have access to, like, the penthouses there, the biggest ones. So he rented one for his party and one that we stayed in. And when I tell you, it's, it was the size of this property because my balcony was like 50 feet long, overlooking the Thames River. Like, it was it's amazing. super baller. And I stayed there for five, six days. Amazing. And then I was like, yo, I got to get out of here.
The food was amazing. It was whatever you wanted. Lobster, filet mignon. It was all day champagne, cocaine. You know, it was like everything all day in this penthouse. Sorry, I get excited. Okay. <laughs> it's like cocaine. Okay. No, no, I'm just playing. Um, but yeah, like, and, and I was there for all those days. And, I'm, and, and I don't know, like, it did get to a point where I was like, yo, I want to get out of here. I want to go do some tourist shit. And he kind of was like, what? What do you mean? I got everything you want. What do you want? You want you want more bitches? We got more bitches. What do you want? You know, you want more champagne? What do you want? I was like, I don't want nothing. I want to get out of this. I feel... Fresh air. Yeah, I want fresh air. I feel like I'm in prison. Yeah, I feel like I'm in this rich prison, this baller, billionaire prison. And it was amazing to see dignitaries from other countries, uh, companies, and it was a constant flow in and out all day asking for, like, some sort of, uh, I don't know, a favor. Something. For the fact he's, he's a he's the crown prince, so his dad is the main shit stain. You know what I mean? His dad's the king of the Dohemi kingdom. Dohemi, yeah, something like that. Yes, Dohemi, and uh, so whatever. Like they, it was pretty cool to see people kind of come all day, like asking for favors and trying to connect with him and da da da. It's kind of cool. Yeah, but then I hit the road, bro. I, I went out there. I wanted, I went. I ate fish and chips. I got some homies out there that are Colombian. I got some Colombian homeboys that, that actually live out there. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to my dog, Guala. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I had some homeboys out there. So I called them, and I would go out with them at night. I'd go hit the, the clubs at night. Just be a tourist for a little bit. Yeah, I was a tourist. Yeah, yeah. But all I, I, I literally charged them for five days of shooting, and I only shot one, one day, which was his birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then he gave me an interview. I, sat, I got this amazing interview with him that I did for Iwapele that I never used because it was the word Iwapele means good character it comes from from Africa it means good character it was very important to me that in Iwapele I'm showing the good side of La Religion those babalaos that you see in my docuseries those are vetted by me those are great people great human beings I, I put my you know like I'll vouch for them after spending five or six days with this guy and watching the amount of debauchery that he took place in, that I didn't. I could have, but I, honestly, I didn't. It was kind of nasty after a while, seeing what the guy was doing. And uh, I didn't feel right putting him in my movie because it wasn't Iwapele. When he was sitting there talking to me about La Religión and the Orishas, yet till otro, I know what he did last night. You feel so it me? Wasn't in line with it wasn't in line with my happiness, with my what I thought was right. I try to do everything with integrity. I'm very transparent. I might talk a lot, but I'm real. I'm very transparent. There's no, I don't know. I don't have hidden but it, agendas. But you just felt like that he didn't. He didn't. It's like he's not practicing what he preaches. He's not practicing what he preaches. That's not Iwapele. I can't put you in the movie. Hence, I didn't take his. Uh, his donation for the movie, which would have covered everything. But I couldn't. And it upset him very much. But I, I couldn't. It wasn't it wasn't in line with what I thought was right, bro. And I believe that. And that's that's probably why I'm not tremendo millonario right now in life, you know, financially, because I actually believe in doing the right thing. And I think that a lot of people that are at these extravagant levels, not all, not all, but I think some people, are a good a good percentage of people to get to these crazy places in life is because they had to be hoputas to somebody, somewhere. They had to step on somebody to get that high. 
So I make it a point that I don't want to do that, right? I don't want to, I don't want to not only step on people, but I want to do the right thing. I want to represent that whatever I do, I feel confident in. And I think that's what a true artist ultimately strives for. I'm at the point where I don't give a fuck if you like what I do or not. I like it. That's all that matters. And that's, and that's real. That's yeah. all that really matters. Where some people still are, they want you to like it, but I don't care if you like it. I know that what I make is dope. I know that there's, I know that you can't fuck with my mind. There you go. You can't. I'm a, I'm a beautiful mind in my own world, in my own thing. I'm not better than you. I'm not worse than you. But it's yours. But it's mine. And it has value. Tremendo value because a lot of you motherfuckers don't think like me. You can't create like me. I don't know about everybody else, but when I wake up in the morning, I don't think about the gym. I don't think about Fruity Pebbles. I don't think about nothing. I go pray, and then I sit at my computer, and I create. What am I going to create today? That's what I do every day. What am I going to create? What am I shooting today? What's on the schedule? What am I editing? I think that makes me happy. Keeps me a little broke sometimes, but it makes me happy. This shit, think about it, man. You can't put a price on that. And, it go, and I think it, that goes to show what you were talking about at the beginning, that every time you're, you're in a situation that you don't have the freedom of feeling that you, that, 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 that freedom of not having any pressure on you, that you could just do you, if you don't have that, it usually ends in disaster. You know, and, and it might it might not be a disaster for you, but it's just you just cut ties and you keep going. Yeah. You know, so it definitely it definitely feels like this is definitely your lane. This is your lane. Yeah. You know, as long as you're able to be able, if you, as long as you're able to be creative, in the freedom of creativity, with it, I think you're happy. You're a happy man. I mean, how else? How else do you leave legacy or live forever? And I, I don't. I don't. I don't. You know, you can have. You can have finances, you can have, uh, you know, I guess, riches and stuff like that that you can leave legacy with. But if you don't have that, how else do you leave legacy? And the only way I can leave legacy is through my works. And if you really go back and you look at my works, you'll see that since I was a kid, everything that I've ever done, I've put my heart and soul 100% into it. You can tell that I'm a passionate person when I talk. And, and I've done that. I've been doing this. Like, I've been putting my heart and soul and obsessing with everything that I fucking do all the time since I was a kid. And that's all it is right now. This is where I'm at right now. Like, right now, I've been working on, I'm working on a new movie right now. It's my first feature. And it's a movie about crypto in Miami. Yes. I sent you the trailer. Yes. Where'd you, did you watch it? Oh, my God. But he's really excited about it. Oh, Listen, my God. The fact, no, let me tell you, because you posted a lot of pictures throughout a lot of the crypto events. I jumped into crypto and I started doing NFTs. You can find me on OpenSea, by the way, the 305 series. So, yeah, so I got, if you're, I got it. So I'm gonna send you the link, you pick one, I'll send it to you. So, so. I just got my first NFT like three days ago. Get out of here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, A hole sniffs glue. glue. He actually, uh, he gave it to me. He, He texted me the other day and said, hey, Give me your wallet. I just made something, and I want to. I want to be. You know, I want to give you your first one since you don't have one. He's in the movie, by the way. Awesome. So he's in my movie. Uh, he's got a great little part in the Let movie. Let me tell you, I'm. I'm part of. Uh, I'm on his Discord. Um, I followed him with his with everything he's done with NFTs. Um, when I was learning how to program NFTs, that bro, so demora un poco. 
but the results are dope, right? And I, I, I had, uh, I was lucky enough to meet his team, some members of his team, and it's a tight ship. And the biggest thing, they're all having fun. If you're not having fun in any space, it's not happening. So to see, see to, to bring it back is, uh, to bring it back, I've, because I was try, I was in the mix and watching the NFT, that wave come in, uh, before it came in, I was actually just paddling out there. Right. Then to see that you were covering a lot of these things, yeah. it was really impressive because I was like, man, I, I, did just, every, I wonder what you were doing. Every you never talked about it. No. You never mentioned it. You were like, yo, we're here. What's this dude doing over there? You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm really happy to hear it's a documentary on, on crypto. So quick quick story on that. I I did a movie called Croqueta Nation. Yes. With Sergio's yes. Cuban restaurant. It's, a, it's basically we created the world's longest croqueta and we documented that. The mayor, Francis Suarez, was in the movie. When the movie was done, uh, one of the first people I sent it to was him. I said, oh, hey, look, check it out. So you can see, thank you for you know being in the movie. He saw it. Uh, he loved it. Oh my God, he called us up. Uh, oh my God, I love it. This looks amazing. Uh, you know, have you guys ever thought of doing, you know, something about crypto or something about maybe Miami and crypto? And I'm like, yo, listen, I, I actually have like a little half-assed script that I kind of wrote kind of thing that I've been toying with, but nothing. And he's like, man, I don't know. You want to kind of revise it? Let's see what we could do. I can help. Long story short, I did everything I had to do when I presented it. They loved it. They loved the idea. And and somehow or another, I was connected with companies who have sponsored the movie. So the movie's been getting paid for by itself. Uh, I came with a budget. I came like, here it is. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to shoot it. And people jumped on. I have a few sponsors, ma major sponsors. And I have a couple more now that I'm in the process of locking down. I'm not going to reveal them yet. Uh, on, only, only because I'm gonna wait for the movie to come out. But like, this is my first real attempt at selling a movie to the streamers. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going all the way with this. This is my first feature. I have a bunch of people on my side, a bunch of people that are wanting to help me, and I know that what I'm gonna create right now is gonna be the dopest crypto movie anybody's seen because it's gonna be informative. But it's going to be fun. It's a Miami crypto movie. The only way a nigga from Miami can make it. You know? That's the, it's the only way to say, right? Miami became, basically Miami became the crypto capital of the world recently. Right? That's, that's, what they're, that's what they're coining us, right? And it all stems to when Mayor Francis Suarez tweet went viral, right? And the tweet was, how can I help? It was a, it was a, a dude in San Fran. I was like, hey, man, why don't we just move all of our tech companies to Miami? He wrote, how can I help? The shit went viral and everything started to change. And uh, so my, the movie's based on that. It's based on this tweet and how things have changed and why we're perceived the way we're perceived. But, but at the same time, in the movie, I have Manny Medina, who's like the OG of finance and tech. This is the guy that used to own Terramark, who sold... Terramark to Verizon for $1.2 billion uh, in the early 2000s or whatever. He's like the OG of finance and tech. His name's Manny Medina. As I was, the fun thing about doing documentaries is the art of exploration and learning and meeting new people and, and chasing this story. It's like chasing a dragon, right? Like smoke dragon, right? And, and, and everywhere I went, everybody said, hey, if you're doing a movie about fintech in Miami, you got to talk to Manny Medina.
he's the OG. You got to talk to Manny Medina. And I just kept hearing, hearing his name. And uh, you know what? He's in the movie as well. I, I got a guy by the name of uh, Roberto Collazo, who is the uh, owner of Bit5 Mining. One of the largest mining companies in the United States is based out of Miami. Uh, it's owned by it's owned by one of the old owners of Club Space. It's not one of those. Uh, I invested five hundred dollars and got five thousand dollars. No, no, no I'll, sh- I'll show you the containers. These are these are four million dollar containers, and these companies are buying them and putting them, you know, all over the United States and places, and and uh, and that's how the guy that's the guy's company, and it's done here in Doral, dog. He fucking he 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 builds these things, these containers. Puts all the computers in them, all the fans. He does everything, dog and bomb. They drop them off at your property. You connect them. He monitors for you. I mean, these are $4 million. And I I don't know how, man, but I found these people. And I made this, like, collection of stories of of players in the crypto space, right? I just mentioned the old man. I have a guy in there named the Bitcoin Poppy. I don't know if you ever heard of Ivan Paychecks. Calls himself the Bitcoin Poppy. He bought an apartment in Miami uh, in 2018. For 20 Bitcoin, which at the time was like 275 grand. Um, first guy to buy an apartment in Bitcoin. I have A-Hole Sniffs Glue, the artist. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's cool where like A-Hole, his part is about NFTs. Right? You were just talking about his Discord and this, that, and that. Well, I filmed that whole process. Oh, dope. So I, I have all that on film. And you'll see it in the movie where like he's talking about why he even got on the bike, which was because of drugs, right? He was trying to get sober. So he got on the bike to just get off of drugs. Then he started seeing garbage and he was like, yo, I want to write on that. If I write on that, maybe somebody will come take it and use it in their house. And now it's not garbage. So I got to do my art and somebody picked up garbage off the street. So he looks for abandoned couches, tables, chairs, whatever, and he paints on them. He takes a picture of it, posts it on his Discord. And within minutes, people show up within minutes. Now, I filmed this. I don't know if you've seen this process before. I've seen everyone congregate. It's crazy. Uh, I, I didn't know it was going down like that. Uh, the guys came and we just did that all day. And, and it was just uh, it was amazing because when you take when you take it home, you have an a-hole piece, but it's not signed. Right. You take it home. Uh, if you want to get it signed, you have to do something for him. Right. Like whether it's mint it and put it on open sea and, and then he you guys, shows you how to mint it. He shows you how to do it. Yeah. 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 So I got this whole process of of how he did that and how he, you know, I don't know. It's pretty cool. And that's part of the NFT uh, story. All right. So I talk, I talk blockchain. I talk the bull, the Miami bull, which I have all the footage of how they made that. You're like, wait, you see what, wait, you see what I got? Cause you're going to be, you're going to be pretty excited. Though. I, I, I'm really excited about this because I'm doing something that's not only informative, but it's trend, it's trending. And you're going to meet some really cool people in this movie. You're going to be like, wow, you know, I'm not telling you whether you should buy Bitcoin or not. But I am telling you that after you watch my movie, you're going to understand that the, the blockchain technology isn't going anywhere. You know, and you'll know that for a fact. You'll see the money. You'll see the money. You'll see the intent. And uh, and that's my latest movie that I'm obsessing on. I think I've been editing right now for three weeks. Um, yeah, last week. I was editing. I'm going to let you guys in on my thought process. You know, it's a one-hour movie. I'm not editing a whole hour. 
I'm editing these 15 minute pieces, these chunks, and then I'm going to piece them together. Right, to make the story. At some point, I'll blend them in those middles and those seams. I'll, I'll make them seamless at some point, but I have to work in masa, right? Like these 15. Yeah, a lot of footage to right, sort through. Right, it's, it, when I laid it out on a timeline, it was like seven hours of footage total, right? Between all the interviews and everything, right? Like it's a lot. Yeah, yes, it yeah. is, man. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm creating these masas, and and so last week I'm sitting there and I'm so mad because I'm stuck. I got writer's block. I know what writer's block is. Now I'm having fucking director block, and I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I'm about to kick my fucking computer right in its fucking shit, dog. I'm just about to kick it, bang. I don't know what to do. And my buddy calls me. He sends me a, he sends me a picture, and I look at it. Then he calls me, and it was like the polka dot mushroom chocolates. You ever seen those, the little mushroom chocolates? So they got these little psilocybin chocolates. It's, and you t- it's mushrooms, right? It's, it's, it's magic mushrooms properly dosed into little chocolate squares. So, you, so I just want to tell you that uh, I was having director block, and I ate one of those, one little square, and my whole life changed last week. <laughs> My whole life became clear. As, you had an epiphany. Oh my God! I had an epiphany and a pornphony. I had a everything in me, and I felt so great because I was like, "Oh, my movie!" And right now, I can show you the first masa. It's done. The first masa is done. It looks great. I'm already working on masa number two. I've, I've, I've. I know I'm talking crazy, but I've leveled it down to three masas instead of four. So now I'm gonna make three big masas, and that's gonna be the movie. So psychedelics do work. Yes, I just want to tell you that I microdosed and I had an incredible time by myself on my computer. I, I went to bed smiling like the Kool-Aid man. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. But see, that's the whole thing. Like, they, people, when you start dosing in any, any fashion, it's supposed to relieve mental distress, mental blocks, all, all those, anything that, com- that brings anxiety, you're just... I, I lied in like the world you, you're accepting of the Warfare. world like you have this this whole hippie vibe like that right pressure we were talking about it yeah. just slips off I I it's been you know it's been a problem with me before but I'm a I'm a mic I'm a micro dosing kind of person in many aspects right even when I drink I don't drink a lot I have a couple I have a couple drinks yeah I get fucked up okay fine I had a few drinks right but 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 even that yeah Right. And it's the same thing when we party. I don't know when I don't do it anymore. But, you know, when I did do other drugs and I did partake in a shit, I only did a little bit because I like the way a little bit made me feel. And I was always a creative. Right. So a lot of times, I don't know. I remember. I remember taking a bump, of, a bump of cocaine and writing lyrics, going to the studio and saying, yo, fuck this. I don't want to hang out with you losers. I'm going to go to the studio. <laughs> no, for real. Like, I had moments like that. Me and Frankie would be out hanging out with people, uh, having a great time. We'd hit that shit and we'd be like, yo, fuck. Go. Yo, let's go to the studio, homie. We'll go to the studio and go make music. So, I don't know. I've always been a microdoser kind of guy. So, it's easy for me to take, like, those chocolates. And I got, okay, I understand. One is good. Three is like, yeah. Well, I tomé like maybe three quarters of one. And it just got me where I was like, oh, I feel great. <laughs> I am perfect. Yeah, and I just... Now bah, we can bah, 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 edit. Bah. Sorry, no, no, hold on. I'm editing. Those are sound effects for editing. Watch. You hear that? Yeah. So that's what that was. No, they don't. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't sound like it. <laughs> but yeah, man, I don't know. And, and, and since then, I've been, I've been speeding right along, and I'm, I'm so excited about this. And uh, I don't know, man. I feel really great, man. Like, I'm always doing something that I've never done before. I love the feeling of not knowing what the fuck. Of, of how to do something. Like, I love the feeling of, like, jumping out of a fucking airplane with no parachute. I love that feeling. It's a weird thing of mine, but I absolutely love that feeling. And when something scares me or something makes me nervous or something makes me, like, I've never done this before, I'm like, yo, I want to do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I don't know. I want to do it. Just don't jump out of a plane. No, no. That only works. Like it's like a that feeling. It works once. What? It's like a feeling. No, no, no. That was like a like. Who was it? Who does the the, the trick? What what was it from the from the cartoons? I can only do the trick once. Was it Daffy Duck? And he goes on stage. He drinks the the elixir because yeah. he does this trick, and then his spirit only, goes up. It only works once. Only works once. Only yeah, works I get once. it. No, but it's a, it's it's that feeling, you know. When I thought of doing my first feature, I was like, oh my god, I've never edited an hour long movie. Yeah, let's fucking do it. And the other day, I'm telling you, I was fucking freaking out, dude. I didn't know what the fuck to do next. And I called jokes, and I called, and, and jokes was to me, yo, chill out. Keep massaging, keep massaging. You know, I'm, I'm here on, on a recovery line with another editor. <laughs> an editor, you know, an editor therapist right now, fucking help, walking me through. He's walked me off the fucking, the edge of the building, dog, you know. And, and, it, and it's those, and it was the same, it's like that with everything. Like, during the pandemic, me and Frankie were like, we would go out, well, right before the pandemic, we would go out to eat all the time. Frankie's my best friend, the guy with the beard. And we'd go out to eat all the time. And everywhere we went, Frankie knew somebody. And he was talk to the chef. And then the chef would give us all this new shit that maybe wasn't on the menu. And it was always dope going to eat with my best friend. It was date night. My baby mama used to hate it. Oh, you and Frankie going on fucking date night again? Yeah, bitch. <laughs> we got to stay with <laughs> Yes. We're going out again, and, and it was amazing. And then it was like one day, like, you know, it was always smoking weed and going to eat amazing food. And one day he was like, yo, bro, you're a director. You got fucking cameras. Why don't we shoot this shit? And I was like, damn, that's a good idea. And he was like, what are we going to, he, he said, what are we going to call it? And I'm like, we should call it La Hama. La Hama. And that nigga's eyes lit up. <gasps> and you know, and you know what? A week later, we were at Tacos and Tattoos shooting our first episode. Sorry. I'm stoned. Hate Mondays was our first episode. Tacos and Tattoos was our second. But Carl, shout out to my dog Carl from Hate Mondays with the fire smoker in the parking lot of the warehouses. And that's where we did our first episode. And, and that's what we did, though. We had this crazy idea. And I don't know. I, said, I think that's the thing about Miami people. We, we, I think we're entrepreneurial go-getters by spirit, by, by our genes. I think it's because we're all Latin. Most of our families were kicked out of the countries they came from or left because they had to do something better for themselves. And there was this fire that kind of burned in our parents' bellies or in our grandparents' bellies, whatever. And now here we are. We have it. And, uh, and we're doing it. And we're doing it, you know? So, I don't know. I kind of have that. I have that. And, I, and, and when I think of doing something, I do it, bro. I don't know. Me and my tia were having this conversation. She was like, you know, there's two kinds of people in this world, Papo. There's people that, like, say, that smoke a joint. She says, because she was mentioning about smoking a joint. She was like, there's two kinds of people. 
there's the people that smoke a joint and talk about doing some really cool shit and then forget about it. And then there's the guys like you and Frankie that smoke a joint, talk about some cool shit, and then and then you guys are filming it five days later, you know? But yeah, we started La Hama, uh, and we just started going around, and we took advantage of the pandemic. Everybody was shut down, and we were like, no, nah, fuck that, we're going to work. And we took advantage of the pandemic. Uh, we shot a bunch of episodes of La Hama. We shot a bunch of episodes of Whipping in the Kitchen, which is another show that we came up with. And, you know, basically the concept of the show is two homies from Miami who love food, culture, and hip-hop. And that's what the show is, right? It's me and my best friend. He's a chef. I'm a director. And we go to these really dope restaurants, and we meet these really unique people and eat amazing food. That's called What's your favorite spot that you've gone to? Um, I'm a mood. I'm a mood guy. I tend to like a lot of things, right? I can't say that there's one thing, but it really depends on my mood. You know, I have I have moods. I don't know, like, I I hit a lick. I just made some guap. I made a paycheck. I don't want to go eat with my friends. I want to go eat by myself or with Frankie, right? And I want to go to fucking. I know it sounds crazy, but. I'm most happy at Cajun Boil on Flagler and 104th where you pay like 120 bucks and they bring you crab fried rice and the big old bucket of Dungeness crab legs con la langota with the potato and the sausage and the sauce. And, and, and like that's me and Frankie's like little celebratory spot. And we've done an episode there before, but for the most part, like when me and Frankie go there, we don't even pull out the phone. Everything else we take pictures of, we do. But when me and Frankie go, we're celebrating. Like when we signed uh, to Ugly Brothers with our show, we, we signed our show to a production company. Uh, it didn't go anywhere, but fine, no big deal. Uh, we pitched it to a, a bunch of major networks and stuff like that. Uh, but we celebrated there. That's uh, good. Yeah, yeah. Recently, I went there by myself. I didn't even tell my girlfriend. She said, well, would you go for lunch? I was like, ah. No, pero le llevaste algo, no? Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. No, no. That's, but, a, uh, that's a personal gem right there. That's a little personal there. But, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a mood guy, right? Look, uh, so the other night, the other night, uh, Tuesday night, me and Frankie, we worked this uh, Diplo Kodak Black video. You know, Frankie does the catering, uh, and, and I was helping him with that and, and, and the logistics and all that stuff on that. And I don't know, bro. Like, when we were done, I mean, we did the catering. We served everybody the bomb ass food all day, right? Everybody was happy. Diplo came up to us a bunch of times like, yo, food is fire. The coladas are great. I would walk around every two hours con una colada. Awesome. Get a cafe, get a cafe, get a cafe, get a cafe. Awesome. You know? Uh, whatever, I forgot what the point was, but, but yeah, but me and Frankie, I don't know, dog. I don't know. We, you were talking about just food and whatever, man. We talking food. <laughs> so that's a good, that's a good story. I, either I, way, I, I forgot, dog, but me and Frankie, we just, the food thing is just our shit and, and, uh, you know, we make a good team. And, and I don't know, bro, like, we're not, we're not going to stop that anytime soon. Like, it's not about the money for us, not about anything. Uh, you know, and, and we're, we eat from the moods. I think, oh, I remember I was saying that after, after we finished working and eating all day and hanging out with these guys, and uh, uh, at the end of the day, it was 11 o'clock at night, and we went to People Burger in Doral. Shout out to my dog, People. People Burger on wheels. Little food truck, Venezuelan. And, like, I always got all the dope spots, bro. Like, what do you want? But you want... You want dope, you know, burgers? I got a spot for you. Oh, what do you want? You want some, 
He knows he, the menu. Yeah, he, he wants some fire. Menu spread out. And motherfuckers know me. Like when I like my kids, I got my kids into pho and like Vietnamese food oh, and that's shit. Awesome. Yo, my kids eat that shit. When I go there, oh hey, Mr. Guillermo, nice to see you. Come sit over here. <laughs> they know me already. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't that's know. Awesome. I'm a I'm a vibe dude. You know. That's how I made my girlfriend fall in love with me. I was like, oh, I know where I'm gonna take her. I know it's what's all about I, food. I, I know what's perfect. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think that uh, I think culinary wise, Miami's just one of the most amazing culinary cities in the world. I think you know. Don't get me wrong, man. There's great food in a bunch of other places, but there's something very unique about the Miami flavor because the Miami flavor mixes that Caribbean into everything. Absolutely. You know, and it seems that like. I don't know, even if you're like a purist, I don't know, Peruvian chef, when you come over here, you spend enough time over here in Miami, your 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 ceviche starts to become Miami-fied, right? And your it food, over the dark side, yeah, it starts right? crossing <laughs> over. I just think like it's it's one of those things. And I think that's why Chef Frankie is like so amazing as a chef because he takes these concepts and these ideas and and he just like, he just makes them his own. You know, he was the first guy to really put guava and cheese on a burger. You know, he was the one that made that popular. I'm not going to say he was the first one, the original inventor. I don't know if that's the case. But I know that prior to him, nobody knew about that. And I filmed it. You know, and it went viral. And that's why we were able to... St that's what started a whole food career. My best friend had a restaurant. And he said, hey, you want to you wanna film some of these recipes? I was like, yeah, I've never filmed food. I'll come film some food for you. Let's go. Feed me. Yeah, feed me. Yeah. And that's what I did. And then before you know it, it just became, you know, after a few years, it became this. But, yeah, man, like, La Hama is just something special. I see us eventually, like, uh, salad dressing bottles, spices. Like, you're going to see the, me and Frankie's face. You had the food truck in Brickle. On Bird. No, this was in Brickle. Oh, in Brickle was, uh, we had Uber Eats, so we had a ghost kitchen in Brickle. Well, let me tell you. The Banco Vite. Fire. Yo. Sliced ribeye. Insane. 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 Super dope. When we were younger, it was so awesome to like get stones with Frankie and get the munchies, and then everybody would look at Frankie and like, "What are we eating? What are we eating?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and what are you and, gonna make? El, el siempre inventaba. You know, he he had his uh his what was it the poppy sauce? Oh man, sounds like a rehearsal. <laughs> That's dope. Uh, true story. Uh, did, you, did you ever go to La Peña 305? I didn't get a chance to, but I knew all about it. There was this amazing place. Have you ever heard of La Peña 305? Yeah, La Peña. Shout so out to Eddie. Shout out to Eddie. He has all the footage. Yeah. Shout out to Eddie. I have. You should do a documentary so with all that footage. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. It's, it's in the works. We have to buy the equipment to transfer all the, the tapes and stuff. And I have a box of about 15 tapes from those days as well. Yeah. So, Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming soon. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, good yeah, to hear. yeah. But that's but uh, but I I one of my favorite performances we ever had. It was my birthday weekend. I was uh, and it fell in the week. Sorry, La Peña was on Tuesday night, and and my birthday was like that Tuesday mm. or Monday, whatever. So fucking instead of like going somewhere, we we're like, yo, let's do it at La Peña. Yeah. We did a Sofla King's birthday party at La Peña. Mm. It was amazing. That night, Tego was there. Yoi Frisco, all the rappers of Miami, uh, Pit, 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 yeah, two, <laughs> all of them, Platano, everybody was out there. It was my, it was my birthday party, cause uh, it was amazing. Canal 51, mandó una gente, 
to like film this. I don't know. It was like this whole underground Spanish hip hop yeah. movement thing. And um, you remember if you remember back then, man. I don't know. We used to get lit, right? So you we go you go you go to La Peña and you'd pay your five dollar entrance fee, but you could bring your own bottle, and then you'd buy the ice and the Coca Cola from them or whatever the fuck. And they, yeah. you, right? It was tremendo by you. And uh, so so I, I get in there, boom, I'm lit. We we're, we're about to perform. We're performing Dinosaur Parade. And it starts. I'm super excited. My girlfriend was in the crowd. She's a dancer on the roof. Remember that show, The Roof? Yeah. I ain't gonna say her name. Yeah, yeah. She was a dancer on the roof, fine as fuck, beautiful girl. She's there. She's there with her friends, hot friends in the front, looking at <laughs> us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's my birthday. I'm dressed to a T. Uh -huh. I can see Tego in the back. I see Pitt, I see Pitt, and bro, I'm first on the song, and Dinosaur Parade kicks in, and bro, I kid you not, damn, I forgot my lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, bro, I swear that to God. That sucks, man. And so, 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 so we're there, we do it, and then it's my turn, and then I don't do it, and Alex is doing my verse, Frankie's doing my verse, everybody's looking at me like, what the fuck? And I go, hold up, hold up, hold up, DJ. Hold up, DJ. I got to be honest right now. I'm fucked up. I'm so fucked up, I forgot the lyrics to my song. Is there anybody in here that's fucked up like I'm fucked up tonight? And the crowd went fucking nuts. <laughs> nuts. Because <laughs> everybody's smoking weed. And I'm like, and I forgot my lyrics and I don't give a fuck. And DJ, we're going to bring it back. Let's do it. We brought it back. Now, estaba enfocado, concentrado. Bam, bam, bam. I hit Dinosaur Parade. Boom, everything was great. Amazing show. Amazing show. Right after the show, I'm walking to go take a piss. I see, I see Pitt. He puts his arm around me. Oye, chico, te la comiste, coño, fresh, you know. But it was that, that camaraderie community back then. Uh, he comes inside the bathroom with me. We're taking a piss. And then nigga's like, yo, dog, yo, that part. Where you acted like you forgot the song and shit. <laughs> that shit was dope, dog. You had everybody, dog. Everybody went crazy. That was genius to tell everybody your fault. And I was like, Chico. I forgot my I shit. I really forgot my shit. Like, we were literally in the bathroom taking a piss. And I'm telling him, like, no, dude, I forgot my shit, bro. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. I was like, yeah, bro, dead ass. I'm, I got lit in the car on the way. We started laughing. We are, uh, and we went back outside and had a great fucking time. That is amazing. But it was a great show, yeah. And I don't remember the lyrics to it right now. <laughs> so, ironically. I tried. I tried, yo. I tried. We'll, we'll get him on round two. Next time, round two. Will oh, we get you, him to round? Thank you guys for having me. I think, I think it was, thank you for coming. I think it was this is, fun. This is what 305 Radio is. This is, this is the purpose of it. Yeah. It I, feel like, uh, I feel like I gave you guys a big chunk of my life tonight. We're, we're officially on a different level. Yeah, thank this you was for your up. time. Yo, so how can people find you? Hey, Sofla on Instagram, S O F L A A A, like South Florida. <laughs> uh, three my, A's. <laughs> yeah, three A's. Uh, my company is BST Film and Media. You can find that on YouTube, on Insta as well, on Facebook. Uh, BST, like blood, sweat, and tears. Mm -hmm. Film and Media. And uh, I don't know, bro. Any shout outs you want to give before? Shout you? out to my dog, Chef Frankie, Lahama TV. Shout outs to just everybody in the 305 creating. And, and doing amazing things. I come from Tremenda Escuelita of amazing people in life. Uh, we went to high school with some of the most incredible human beings. Yeah. 
that are creative monsters all over and I'm proud that I grew up around a lot of these amazing people that I grew up around and, and you know, just shout outs to everybody that's kept it real, man, and followed their heart and and shout outs to you. My dog, my dog struck. Shout outs to Struck. Dale, dale. As always, showing love, you know, oh, even yeah. when he had the uh, the the magazine and then uh, sorry the yeah. and the website and everything, he's always showed love. Yeah, yeah, All you of know, it. the magazine website, then the other website. You know, we 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 had this community back in those days where like, I don't know, I believe we all supported each other. Yeah, we did. Uh, if you were whack, we let you know you were whack, and we didn't support you. If you were whack, you, you knew you were whack because nobody fucked with you. Uh, but if you people fucked with you, it's because you was doing something great, and yep. I we had a great sense of community back then. So thank you for always showing love and and yep. just I don't know, just always showing love. Right, and here we are, you know. I full appreciate circle. you. I appreciate Dre. I appreciate everyone that that in that scene was was doing things. Garcia, uh, the whole uh, Crazy Hood Productions crew. Yes. Then um, you had Thurston Howell in town. You had uh, Roll Up. You had that whole crew that that Khaled just shouted out, which was dope. You had THC. You had THC. Shout out to to Yubi, and let me tell you, man, like it's so many different camps that were involved. A lot of them fell up, fell out. They just for whatever life reasons, they just fell out. And it's great to see that, damn yo, maybe you fell off, but aquí, because you just didn't want to deal with that that type of industry, that that version of the industry, and you took it a different direction, like you said. As an artist, you found different ways to eat that people typically don't go around looking for. You know, getting into voiceovers, commercials, and, and licensing. And, you know, it's great to see so many of these artists that started off hitting the clubs, like these one, these small spots, like, um, uh, man, it eludes me now, but, like, you had uh, the Polish-American. Uh, you had different spots at just Club I.O. Yeah, uh, sucks. So... <laughs> Thanks for reopening the scar, brother. My bad, yo. My bad. It's a lot of dope Miami shit that's happened, you know? And I'm glad I was a part of it on some level, you know? Did the magazine, the website, and all this. Because, man, when you look at the the talent that's out here, it's like playing, it's like football. You look to Miami for the football players. And this is where people should be looking for creatives. We are in the best city in the world. Amen. Amen to that, <laughs> and man. And we are blessed to be surrounded by so many awesome and talented people. And like you said, it, you know, a lot of people have that stigma and that mentality that yeah. here in Miami, it's that crab in the bucket yeah. thing. And, you know, you're a proof that everybody here can help each other. You know, if you're doing something, you're going to pull somebody from, you yeah. know, your past, one of your homeboys to come help you out. You're going to yeah. put people in those positions to better themselves and also surround themselves with greatness. So thank you for being such a great example of Miami and what we truly represent. Oh yeah. And I can't wait to see everything you like everything that's going to how it's going to pan out with the the bull, the crypto. All the yeah. new projects. I really yeah, want to see really that, excited. man. I'm really excited about that. That's yeah, going to be dope. Uh, I'm excited too, bro. I'm jumping out of a plane without a parachute again. <laughs> you can only do it once. Yeah. Nah. Not if you <laughs> Not if you keep figuring out how to pull out the fucking parachute when you're halfway down. So as long as I keep figuring it out on the way down, I think that's the point of it, right? I think as long as you don't tell out. everyone, anyone that you have an extra parachute. Right yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank yeah, you man. so much once again. For hey, you guys on. are invited to watch Croqueta Nation Sunday, September 4th at the Lyric Theater. Shout out to the Urban Film Festival. Hopefully we win Best Short Doc with the world's longest croqueta. 
It's a Miami Dade County thing I for think sure. You will, bro. You know? That's that's Miami right there. Tú eres croquetero. Croquetero. Yeah, you like yeah, a, I make croquetas. Yeah, you like croquetas? Yes. All right, good for you, bro. What about you, Jay? You? Of course. You love like croquetas. croquetas. Right. <laughs> My son is a croqueta monster. Not all monster. croquetas, though, because not all croquetas are. What's the people? best? Before we go, I know you guys were trying to say bye. What's the best croqueta in Dade County? What's the best croqueta you've ever had? Most memorable. Um, it was one I made. What? You made a croqueta? I made a croqueta. Okay. Was, it, a, was it a ham croqueta? No, nah, it was a steak croqueta. You made a steak croqueta? Bro, listen, I seared it off. I did everything brunoise. Seared it off real quick. Froze it. Made my mix. Froze the mix with, the, with everything together. Pan seared it, finished it in the oven. This shit was phenomenal, bro. Wow. Never in my life I've been able to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have pictures of the wonder. aftermath. Yeah, man, the aftermath laid out on a futon. <laughs> what about you, Dre? You have a favorite croqueta? I do, but I don't know the name of the spot. It's a little spot on A Street, and it's getting close to Brickle. It's like a little cafeteria, but okay. they're nice and crispy. The flavor's great. Okay. okay. I don't like those soft croquetas. It has to be really two, crispy there's, on there's the two outside. Kinds, yeah. right? You have the yeah, Isla Canaria soft, yeah, that one is garlicky, kind of mushy kind of one, thing. and then you have the more Sergio's hard and crispy. Yeah, I, like I, w- I wish I could find Isla Canaria in between Isla Canaria and Sergio's. Like, not so t- soft and smushy, like nice, nice, crispy, but with more flavor than Isla Canaria. I have some people that are going to hate me for saying this, but yo, Publix has some bomb-ass croquetas. Oh, my I'll gosh. tell you this. Listen, the only thing Publix got <laughs> are sub-pubs. So you know the best you? the best croquetta I've ever had, I know it's going to sound weird, say it, say it. I was in Aruba okay. uh, hanging out with a friend, and they made lobster croquetas. And the sauce was straight, straight out of the bottle, yellow mustard. Straight up, yellow mustard. With the beer, the lobster croqueta, and you dip it in yellow mustard. And I don't know, you know, sometimes crazy, weird flavor combos create. They work, work, right? Yeah, it worked. worked. It just worked. It was the, it was the, the beer. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I ate so yeah, much right. yellow I'm mustard. Saying, right? I ate so much. Ye- I've never eaten that much yellow mustard. Like yeah. at a sitting. I, so I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't sleep that night. I had tremendous heartburn. Of course. From mustard. all the yellow mustard. Yeah. You know, I had to take fucking Prilosec or whatever the fuck. But like, I'll never forget those croquetas. They were yeah, insane. Lob- and I've only had good. them in Aruba. And I was literally chilling right next to the water. I was I was I was a, a fly on the wall at a at a meeting. On the water, a fly on the wall, and, and oh, I was just my oh, my job was to just right. sit there and just listen and and just eat the croquetas. Yeah, Tremenda hama. Tremenda hama. Okay, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. Awesome, man. Hey, I don't We're know, gonna bro. do a round two. Yeah, bro. Till next We're time. Round, round two. two. Yeah. Till next down. time. You know how it goes, dog. Like, you know how we perform better on round two. <laughs> 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 Later.